A wooden cross-shaped table sits in the center of a stark utilitarian war room. In the center of the table is an illusory map of a metropolitan city, unmistakably Absalom, and formed with excruciating detail. A woman in a long green gown circles the room, occasionally toppling over one structure or another with a flick of her finger, only to have it reform again as perfect as before. With each flick, a satisfied smirk. With each reformation, a sneer of disgust. Ever since the raising of the Starstone and the founding of Absalom by Aradin himself, many have tried to lay siege and breach the walls of the so-called city at the center of the world. The words transparently bitter on her tongue, she speaks mostly to herself. However, the various advisors and cohorts surrounding the war table listen intently. Their varied and sometimes warped silhouettes stir in the shadows. From Minotaur warlords like Varadni Voon and self-styled necromancer kings like Ras Shajan, to droves of overconfident pirates, arrogant Chalaxian armies, and fancifully named events by fools with overly ornate titles, like the radiant siege of Karnas Angelbinder. Many have tried and failed to claim the city for themselves, all foolishly wanting more when they already have more than they need, self-serving. She glances in the direction of a handsome, dark, violet-skinned elf. His long white hair hanging straight down over his shoulders, he unblinkingly gazes back, a look of hungry focus on his face. The woman then glances curiously at another elf. Skin a lighter mauve and hair just as starkly white, she is instead staring at the elven man, but with the exact same focus he proffers. The woman in the green gown cocks an amused eyebrow for only the briefest of moments before continuing. If we are to take an admiring look at any of these failures, it would be the Ark Lords of Nex, the founders of the Arcanamirium itself. They at least knew the ugly face of humiliation and the unslakable thirst for revenge. But even they sought to reclaim something for themselves. To preserve it, this is not what I seek. A slithering, half-upright, centipede-like creature stirs in excitement. Its orange body, yellow belly, and five green eyes reflecting slightly in the illusory light. Bottles and vials hanging in a bandolier across its trunk rattle and clink together like bells on a giddy dog. Even these Ark Lords sought to preserve something for themselves. My revenge is purer, simpler. I do not so desperately cling to a past that I wish it returned to me. No, I simply seek to punish all those who stripped me and mine of everything, of all that was built, of all that rightfully belonged to the toiling Haravek's bloodline. A tall, long-horned, and red-skinned man steps forward. 
his red robes adorned with gold and black embroidery and stitching, scroll upon scroll, actively furling and unfurling, seemingly on their own, hang from every bit of him. He raises a red quill and waves it around to punctuate his words. If you lay your heroes correctly, you may yet regain what once was. New contracts can always be made, and the old rewritten. What they took cannot be returned. I won't muse on living in the past any further, and I don't recall your contract obligating you to present optional outcomes. You are here to achieve the results I determine. Do not forget that. And don't you dare suggest alterations to our contract again. You would do best to realize that I find your subtlety quite lacking, even for one of your kind. As you say, mistress. He steps back into a shadowy corner with a look of mild amusement, wholly ignored by the haughty woman. She turns toward the single door in the room and pulls it open. Without turning around, she commands her servants. Walk with me and I will show you the many plans I have for Absalom and my gauntlet. Heroes have been through so much as they ventured to the ruins of Gauntlet. They became fast friends and comrades before Small Keth was struck down. But thanks to my help, and more importantly, the help of Raphael, cleric of Phrasma, they have been able to venture forth once more. Most recently, they were introduced to a construct named Mr. Beak who asks after his master, Azrene. Without any information to give, Mr. Beak attacks them, fumbling their way through a room covered in broken glass. Tulak goes down. Physic saves him, but is swiftly taken out as well. With its targets being of no assistance, Mr. Beak demands they leave. They fumble their way to safety as Raphael offers suppressing fire. They are then introduced to the true form of the mysterious entity in the previous room, a brownie named Tangletop. Tangletop is eccentric but seems willing to help, if only to retrieve his shiny, and offers a large silver key in trade. The heroes recruit their energy and set to face off against Mr. Beak once more. Taking pot shots from the hallway, they swiftly defeat Mr. Beak, who is depleted of some magical power. 
But then, something happens. Gauntlight's cupola begins to shine bright and focuses a beam of light straight towards Otari. All right, gentlemen. Level two. Are you stoked? Tell me you're stoked. I'm pumped. Hell yeah. I've been waiting for this since we started playing. <laughs> oh, you've voiced it many a time. <laughs> I know. Been a real bitch about it. <laughs> so now you just got a bitch. Level yeah, one you're telling me level one's a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> we were squishy and still are. I probably should have lost two characters already, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I've been saving the next one for someone else, that's all, so. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> what do you think, Duncan? Will it be you? Uh, I mean, I'm just happy to still be alive. I made it to level two, baby. <laughs> hey oh, yeah, I'm did. the only one who hasn't lost a character to you yet, so. This is true. This is very true. I wonder how long that trend will last. Forever. Forever. Well, if it's going to be forever, I would like you to tell me why and how, Scott. What did you get in your level up? Ooh, What's okay. old Tulak got here? So Sage Tulak got some pretty fun stuff. Um, the main one going to be we are doing the extra archetype um, for yes. viewers and listeners who don't remember that. Uh, and I went with Ghost Hunter, which is pretty sick. Nice. You know, I was thinking flavor-wise... Going through this adventure path, the spooky stuff that's coming up, and kind of his own, the issues that he's been having with his magic coming up out of nowhere and trying to discover that. So, yeah. And he was pretty hyped up after dealing with the last haunt, I think. So, that is kind of, he's been looking into that. So, yeah, you schooled that haunt. <laughs> yeah, it gives me dose extra cantrips. So, oh, sick. Yeah, nice. I took uh, Chill Touch, and then the other one that I took is called Invoke True Name. So I'm going down a path where Tulok is interested in finding the true name of creatures, which gives you power over them. So not only did I take that cantrip, I also took a feat called Reveal True Name. This is something that is new uh, from the new Pathfinder book, Spells and Magic. Secrets of Magic. Secrets secrets of Magic, yeah. Secrets of Magic. So uh, something interesting and something I'm going to be exploring going forward. I don't think it's going to have a lot of impact at lower level, but kind of looking forward to exploring that later on. And it uses the same research system that we have in play already for uh, researching information on the adventure path. So looking very much forward to that. And then I also got a new first level spell, which I'm super stoked on, but I will keep a secret for now. Fancy man. (laughs) I know what it is. (laughs) And then the last thing from there is I got um, a new lore, which is spirit lore. And oh, yeah. Class feat. Dangerous sorcery. Because I'm getting wild out here. So (laughs) enjoy that, Freeman. Well, you had the you had the choice of of spirit or haunt lore, right? But why, why did you choose spirit? I chose spirit because haunts are cool and all, but I was thinking that kind of the interaction with spirits is more what Tulok is going to be interested in. Not necessarily, you know, because haunts are kind of there and then they're gone. 
Whereas having a little bit more knowledge about spirits that or incorporeal entities that we could use going forward that are kind of could be potentially like NPC characters. That's right. more what he's interested in. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool idea because the, the sort of the core purpose of a haunt is is more of like an obstacle to go over to overcome, right? And they can be quite dangerous, and you know, uh, having the information to to overcome them could be important. However, the spirit side of things does lead a little bit more towards an, an, a, a more genuine inter a possibility of interaction. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I get that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty sweet. That's awesome. And then the two cantrips is, is really big, too, because aren't sorcerers quite limited on cantrips? They have a flat amount from 1 to 20, right? Yeah, you got it. So basically, there's generally just five, and now I have seven. Mm. And there were some ones, for instance, I did want Chill Touch originally, but there was a couple other things that, for the character and, I mean, kind of metagaming, <laughs> there were some things that I wanted to take. <laughs> and uh, But now I can take some of the ones like Chill Touch, which is a touch spell. That I wanted to have but didn't have before, so it's going to open up more options within my character build as well. Yeah, he's got he's got other things he still hasn't revealed even even through all of level one, which is yeah. uh, kind of crazy. And Chill Touch will aid with that, which is cool. Yeah, there's going to be there's still a lot to two lock that hasn't really been rolled out yet, and we will get there, and it's going to be exciting. I'm pumped. <laughs> so I'm pumped. freaking pumped, man. Yeah. You don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know you. All your creatures is dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to go next? My shoehorned Scott into going first. Let's let's go with uh, the one and only James Kid. That's uh, okay. That's how you say your name, right? <laughs> yep, that's that's it. Okay. So as much as I've pissed and moaned this whole adventure about getting to second level, <laughs> uh, second level for clerics actually bites. Uh, it's not it's not too bad. I get a third first level spell, which is great. Mm -hmm. I get a skill feat, which I took uh, battle medicine because I figured it's I might as well round out this character a little bit. Essentially, I get to treat wounds as a single action in combat once per day per character. Mm -hmm. Cool. Which we seem to absolutely need. Yeah. <laughs> you can say yeah. that again. <laughs> yeah. And then as my cleric feat, I actually took a first level feat, the first level uh, cloister cleric feat, which is domain initiate. So I get um, I get a couple of things related to my domain. But most importantly, I get a focus spell, which I'm going to keep under my belt for now because I think it's a really fucking dope spell and I wanted that. Uh, and that is in the soul domain of Phrasma, which is an alternate domain. But uh, without Freeman's permission, I just decided to take it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that before, and I can't remember if we corrected on air or not, but as a war priest, you don't actually choose a domain. Yeah. And so you've rolled that into uh, into the domain initiated level two, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, so... So, I've had a, a really difficult time rolling Raphael into the story uh, because he is an occultist heel bot, which is what the two gentlemen next to me uh, <laughs> uh, specialize in. Yeah. Uh, so I've I've had a really difficult time finding a spot for him in this party. So because we talked a little bit about it last week, and because we need a little bit more of a frontline fighter, I adapted my archetype, which which was originally going to be ghost hunter, like. Um, like two locks to something called soul forged. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much because I think there's a lot of really cool role-playing opportunities behind this archetype. So I think I'm just going to leave it there if that's okay oh, with, yeah. uh, with, with you guys. Sure. Sounds Love badass, it. Anyways. <laughs> 
I actually didn't read that one, so I'm pretty interested to see what it's going to be. Because I think I read through almost every single one when trying to make this decision. But for some reason, not that one. So I am pretty pumped to find out. Yes. So this actually caps out at level six. So if Raphael makes it that far, he'll actually have to choose a second archetype after level six if we continue with the free archetype mm. um, which is kind of neat uh there's some cool stuff like the the fourth level feats really cool and the first level feats really cool but again we'll i don't want to hog up yeah. too much airspace we'll get into that in role play that one also comes from secrets of magic if i remember correctly and it does um, yeah. and for anyone listening wondering why some of these know that some of these are rare options uh i've definitely lifted an, an initial a restriction that I had on on uh, on the players having to sell me on some rare options, um, but mo- it's mostly because obviously level one's been so very dangerous, and I want to provide really cool, flavorful things to all the players here and their characters, and then you know hopefully it'll add or uh, not just flavor, but maybe a little bit more versatility and survivability, and um, and uh, a little more potency perhaps, uh, and uh, and heck, I mean. Rare things rarely get used, so let's have fun with it. Let's let's put them on display. Let's use them. Let's have let's let everyone listen in and, and enjoy the experience of those. Just, you know, most people would just restrict them outright, uh, and I say fuck it. Let's just go for it. I think it'd be fun. This is an uncommon archetype, for the record. But uh, was it uncommon? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it sounds from what I know about it, it seems like a rare one. <laughs> so it should it should probably, it probably be rare. Be, but yeah. I think I think the character that I built really fills in with this archetype. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, that's awesome. Well, speaking of rarities, Duncan, what can you tell me about physics level up? Yeah, physics. Just so happy to have lived this long. He gets, <laughs> well, every level that an alchemist uh, gets, they'll have uh, one increase to their infused reagents for their daily preparation. So I'm up to four infused reagents, which is great. He's also got two new formulas to play with. Um, he decided to take uh, a Tanglefoot bag from level one and uh, his alchemical crafting levels in step with his character level. So he's now got level two alchemical crafting. I took a level two formula of Bravo's Brew. And um, given how much trouble we have, I think those will really, really help, you know, us not die as quickly. <laughs> okay. Are you uh, are you one are you willing to explain what either of those do right now or you want to keep that close to your chest and reveal it? Uh, yeah, no, pretty pretty basic stuff. Tanglefoot bag, uh you throw it's a bomb, you'll throw at an enemy uh that will drop its speed or speed and uh normal success and then uh it's got some some fun uh fun effects at uh critical successes. Okay. And then your Bravo's brew is all about um increasing your ability for will saves so uh if we if we get into a spot where so- somebody's got to take some will saves over and over dropping one of them on them will really help them out wicked that's awesome yep so uh yeah and that's going to happen every level one new uh infused reagent per day plus two new formulas and then this level i get a class feat and a skill feat so going down the heal bot route that we were planning on i decided to go with a fun little class feat alchemist feat called revivifying mutagen and um i've got a few mutagens in the formula book that i haven't pulled out yet it'll be really fun to actually see them come into play especially with this feat i'm not going to get into too much detail but uh 
basically a mutagen will give you a, a buff with some drawback for a certain amount of time and the revivifying part of it as you can imagine turns it into a nice little healing spell if the need should arise cool and then for my skill feat much like james uh, battle medicine just seemed like a wise thing to do Oh, we doubled up on that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Smart boys. Very Smart good. Boys. <laughs> yeah. And what about your archetype? The battle medicine actually dovetails quite nicely into my uh, archetype because I'm going to be taking the medic archetype, which will give me a bonus to uh, healing on treat wounds or battle medicine, provided I hit a certain DC threshold. The higher I roll, the more I can heal, basically. The archetype gets more fun as the levels go up, but uh, it's basically all, all for the heal bot, baby. Yeah, so it basically affects your, your treat wounds and, and your battle medicine to start, right? And and uh, once you are uh, a certain proficiency in medicine, and in your case, also crafting, because we're kind of carrying that over from, from the chirurgian uh, aspect. Uh, Surgeon. You can you can um, <laughs> you can uh, choose a higher DC to get more healing, um, but you have to announce it before you do the treat wounds. I'm going to go for the DC 20 instead of the DC 15, uh, and then if you do, you get uh, extra hit points. And then this medic dedication basically increases that extra hit points uh, at the base. Yes, sir. Yeah, the medic is a crazy, cr- crazy cool archetype. I think, and uh, it, it's one of the few I think that goes from one to twenty. There's like an actual capstone archetype feat um, at level 20, which is pretty wild. I just wish I have that kind of longevity. Yeah, right? (laughs) Probably never get there, but that's fine. Yeah, neat. That's awesome. Well, that, uh, that about covers everyone, I guess. Back to the situation at hand. You guys ready? <laughs> oh, no. Boy. <laughs> we got choices to make, uh, and I hate those. You, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you of course, um, with your level up, your maximum minimum hit points increase at the same. I've already adjusted that in Foundry for you guys. Uh, a lot of you, uh, some of your skill uh, bonuses are going to increase with your level as well. And uh, any new spell slots or new inf- uh, a number of infused reagents... Uh, you can have, you don't, do not regain any expended ones until you do rest. So it's all fairly straightforward, but you guys should have a little extra in your uh, holsters for now. So you defeated Mr. Beak, the soulbound doll, and someone amongst the party noticed that there was a, a light flashing through the cracks of a single door in this workshop covered in broken lenses and glass. And Raphael went and cracked the door to see what was happening. The light from Gauntlet, even in the morning fog, grew really bright and was circling the area and then turned its focus right towards Otari. And that's where we ended it. What do you guys want to do? Uh, I mean, I guess we should take the telescope back to um, the brownie. Yeah, uh, tangle top. I mean, we said we'd do that. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling Scott was going to try and rip this thing off. <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> Tulak is still offended that he got lied to. Uh, no, not actually, but I want to make sure it's not like we found out that it's not magic, right? It's just actually is just yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just 
bedazzled. But it's valuable. It's worth 20 gold, which sells yeah. at full price, which is no small amount at this level. Like, what's that brownie going to do for us? Got, he's got that key. He offered that large Right, yeah, key we need the key. In exchange. We have so many keys, and we don't know what any of them do. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it couldn't hurt. Well, you've only got two. You've got a, a key ring, but most of them are destroyed. There's just two on it that oh, look functional. Right. Most yeah. of the doors just crumble anyways. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who plays a lot of RPG games, I collect king, or I collect keys like they're going out of style. <laughs> right. I need yeah. all them keys. Like the amount of apples, potions of healing, and keys in your Skyrim game is outrageous. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean, we can check out the storage room first, the one next to the other storage room that the brownie showed us into. And then, you know, if we could always try and... I mean... I'm not the evil character in the party, but we could always just merc the brownie and take the telescope <laughs> and the key. <laughs> Yikes. James might be the evil one in the group, just not in the party. <laughs> yeah. It's real role-playing to put yeah. on a cleric face. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, yeah. We might as well trade in this uh, this bejeweled spyglass and get a key. I would like to check the storage room first. Okay. Sure. I pick up, or does someone have the... I've got it. Okay. We head out. As Tulok is passing the portraits, he reflects upon the fact that this light is fired up and pointed at Atari, and in the portraits on the wall, there are ghosts rising and sneering and snickering from inside that light. And then in the other one, those ghosts appear in Absalom. So he is worried, big time worried about what's going on in the city of Otari right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raphael is also wicked worried. Yep. Uh, Ditto for Physic. <laughs> Physic, you're just a bandwagoner. <laughs> he just wants to belong. <laughs> That's too much to ask. Raphael opens the last hidden door. And yeah, you crack that door and it just reveals another small room um, like the storage room next to it, except that all that is there is a staircase that spirals downward into the ground. He he sighs heavily and just closes the door. (laughs) (laughs) There is a stairway behind that door that leads downward to... The darkness and the abyss, but perhaps Otari should be our first uh, uh, priority. <laughs> yes, I I couldn't agree more, Raphael. This we need to get back to town. Who knows what this light is doing? What is this fucking guy's name? Tusseltop, Tangletop, Tangletop. He's like he's now sitting there, like eager, like oh, did you find it? Did you find it? Did you find the shiny? Yeah, I've got the key, and he's like waving it around. Yeah, Physic will just rush up to him and say, here's the shiny, give us the key. You just hand it to him? Yeah. Cool. He takes it and quickly hands you the large silver key. Do you know what the key is for, Mr. Tangletop? No idea. Looks like it works, though. Tangletop, we'll be back later to discuss... What lies below here? We may need to use your home again, but for now we have to go protect our own home. The light shines upon Otari. Oh, spooky light. I thought I saw through the cracks of the doors. Tangletop doesn't like that at all. Stay low, Tangletop. And he just like 
hides behind some more books on the shelf, making a bunch of noise clatter. Tulok just opens the door and pieces out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Physics right on his heels. And you're heading uh, straight to Otari? I mean, once we're out here, is there anything... They cross the bridge one at a time. Yes. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sorry, we need to say that. <laughs> um, is there anything of note in the tower or in the actual lighthouse? I can't remember what you... Just the light is now very obviously just stopped in one spot and focused in the direction of Otari to the south. But there's no ghosts or anything in the light? Not that you can see from here. I hate that I'm going to say this, but Raphael thinks it may be worth investigating the light itself before we investigate Otari. It just started up, right? Yeah. So I thought the same thing originally. Like, what else are we going to... What are we going to do if we go to Otari and then we have to fight ghosts or something? Well, my first instinct would be to check the graveyard because the portrait is of of uh, ghosts rising from the streets. But if the graveyard's fine, we kind of just wasted an hour. Uh, you know, I'm I'm here for whatever you guys think, but uh, my, my first instinct is to maybe... Like, how many encounters can there possibly be? Like, two, three, maybe? Like, one in the door, one on the stairway, and then one at the top? Is Raphael making this case? Uh, no. Or is James making the I case? I don't think so. <laughs> James is making the case. Raphael is still, he still feels like a third, like, not a third-class citizen, but he's he's the new guy in the party. He's also failed miserably at everything he's tried to do. So, like, he's just following you and physics lead, because you guys are... The, the strong ones you're the leaders of this part but he doesn't put it forward at all um no i don't think so i mean he's he's uh, again he's he's been knocked out twice and he just kind of wants to he trusts you well because i hastily already said that we go back to town but i kind of want to check out this tower <laughs> yeah like character wise physic would have panicked seeing the light going back to otari and gone we got to get back to otari right okay what if we did like a could I do like an arcana check or a detect magic on the light? Um, that might sway him in a different direction. Yeah, go ahead and roll me an arcana, but you're going to have limited information just being below here and not at the light itself uh, at best. Okay. So, What about um, religion? Because he thinks it's going to raise spirits. So I feel like maybe they would be pulling them out of Phrasma's domain, the boneyard. Uh, sure, go ahead and... And uh, roll me some religion. Nice. I like how like. you worked that one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a stretch. For the next <laughs> We're here. Uh, that is a that is a thirteen. Uh, yeah. No, you have no idea. Like I said, I've said before this 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 lighthouse itself is just so wholly unique um, and strange that yeah, it's it's beyond Should anyone's. Taking lore lighthouse <laughs> after they cross the bridge. <laughs> Tulok sees Raphael kind of hit the brakes and look up at the tower. And he turns to him and says, Raphael, what are you thinking? Do you have some knowledge? I don't know anything for sure, Mr. Sage Tulak, but there is a, a nagging feeling in, in the back of my brain, behind the eyes, that perhaps if this thing does bring the souls or the undead back, Maybe it is pulling them directly from Parasma's graveyard, then. Perhaps Otari is not the source of the information that we require, but the results of the action of turning the lighthouse on. Perhaps you are right. Maybe we should investigate there first. 
And then we can head to Otari if we can't figure out anything. No sense in running all the way back for nothing. Does appear to be right here. And he gestures like uh, 40 feet to his right. Yeah, where the for the is. listeners, it's directly in front of us. Yeah. And I, I actually know for a fact that the last time you passed this way, uh, I forgot to specify in my description of the area that there is a door on the western side of the lighthouse. So you know there's one inside the building on the southern side, but the western side as well. Uh, so that's the most accessible to you right now. Tulak continues south after this conversation towards that door. I wouldn't hate taking eight hours to get my archetype and uh, retrain that one cleric spell that I took that I can't have because Phrasma's a neutral deity. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't have it. You can just swap that. I mean, come on. <laughs> eh, I don't feel good about it. I, I, I played it in the game. I tried to cast it. Yeah. Like we oh, yeah. we determined that he couldn't have it, so like it rules is written. He thought he could cast it, and he was just let down when he tried to let divine lance go. All right, let it let let the record state that James limited himself in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, nothing on you. And yeah. I don't think an extra cantrip is going to uh, is gonna gonna save our souls here. I don't know. Tulak might disagree. <laughs> it's true. Well, I mean, I am making the case for taking a few hours so I can have my archetype. And one thing is for sure here is in this discussion about do we go to the lighthouse or not, um, you don't know if there's any danger that lies there, and if it does, uh, will it dwindle you down further? And then what will you have to deal with when you get back to Atari? So it's not just a matter of uh, time possibly, but also a matter of, like, how strong are we right now? Do you even have the time, or will the results of of, uh, of arrest be a bad thing? Like, it's just so many questions happening. It's right easy here. to, yeah, it's easy to say right now that time isn't of the essence, but I think for our mm-hmm. characters, it would be. There would be panic involved, and mm-hmm. I think they would want to find out something immediately. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because, sure. like, they've seen what's happened here. They've seen Small go down and die they've seen some all be raised and if that's just some power they've run into not even involved with the lighthouse of the light could be pretty bad yeah is the, is the gauntlet the same light that the uh that was emanating from those shambling elf corpses when they reanimated uh it is it is a blue light that both of them have been blue lights that's for sure um okay tulak rolls perception at the door just to hear if there's anything inside. And you do not hear anything. Tulak opens the door. And the door opens. It stays on its hinges, but it opens. And you look into this lighthouse, and the smooth walls of this circular room are painted a light gray with no indication of seams between blocks of stone. A set of iron stairs winds upward along the curved walls before terminating at a trap door in the ceiling nearly 100 feet above. A red blood stain glistens on the floor at the room's center, as though a human-sized creature bled to death on the floor very recently, despite there being no body in sight and no sign of a body being dragged away. Raphael would like to take the defend action. <laughs> okay, Raphael defends. They're making blood sacrifices. Shit's going down, and Tulak is going to detect magic as he enters the room. Okay. And you do detect magic. And as you sort of move about this room, you notice that the fresh blood periodically ripples 
its slick red surface appears like the top of a deep red pool, but otherwise seems altogether harmless. Ripple. So Tulak is skirting around the blood, around the outside of the room, circular room. Is there any drips going into it, or no, it's just rippling? No, just rippling, as if there's something deep inside to this impossibly deep pool. Can I do, like, a forensic medicine check to see what may have caused it? Like, was it somebody falling from the top that created this indent in the floor and then yeah, this pool of blood? for sure. Yeah, roll that for me. I like that. I like that a that lot. Is a 17. It, it, what's really unnerving is that it appears as though someone would have been stabbed and or, or some such fallen to the ground here and just bled out. But... There's no sign, again, no sign of a body, no sign of it being dragged away. The body is just gone. But it definitely looks like someone was killed and left to bleed out on that in the very center of this room. Tulak peers through the door to the outside where he can see some piece of rock and the like on the ground. And using telekinetic projectile will send the rock flying into the blood. And the rock flies in, splashes a little bit, and then just seems to sink and disappear. Taking from Tulak's lead, uh, Raphael starts to make little gestures with his paw before this ice blue light lances out of the phrasmic tattoo above his right eye, and he casts Disrupt Undead on the blood pool. Bold. Wow. <laughs> I like it. Um, and it has no effect. Well, we know it's not undead, I I think. That's that's safe. Am I able to do, like, a recall knowledge of, like, a, an occultism or arcana or something that might be able to explain it? No. There's not really much here to go on. Hmm. I would take a religion check. Religion? Okay. So I hadn't really to th- really think about that one. I would like to attempt to Yeah, aid. I was going to. Okay. That is a 20 to aid. So that's a plus two, plus one. I do not aid. So 16 total. Obviously something very mysterious has happened here. How fresh the blood looks is... It really, really stands out. And you can really only assume that some dark residual necromantic something has occurred in this room or perhaps is still occurring in this room but that's about it Tulak peers from the puddle back to his companions and gestures towards the stairs should we not poke the puddle of blood just to make sure it doesn't come up and corner us on the stairs afterwards and Raphael draws his gilded phrasmic dagger if you approach the stairs they, they do sort of alarmingly creak and sway a bit but they appear to be very structurally sound in fact the inside of this whole structure seems brand new it's not at all like the rest of the ruins on the inside here it looks like it's never ever aged or decayed or corroded in any way uh in that detect magic that Tulak did did he learn if it was illusion I don't get to know uh, yet not no oh yeah um, if nobody stops him, I think Raphael's gonna poke it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sweet. 
you poke your sweet phrasmic dagger into the blood, and it actually doesn't sink in like you might suspect. You just hit stone beneath and kind of move the blood aside a bit, and then you you actually kind of bump the stone that uh, got tossed in. What in the name of the Lady of the Graves is happening in this place? I don't know. It's some dark magic, I feel. I have no explanation myself. There's a little plant in front of him on the map. He's going to wipe his dagger off on the plant. (laughs) (laughs) Do we... Do I take the lead? Is that... Is that... Is that what I do? You're the frontline fighter, right? (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, just so listeners, this is a circle room, and we're all kind of, like, on the exterior of the circle, away from the blood. (laughs) Oh, it's a middle school dance right now. It's... (laughs) (laughs) The old sock hop. (laughs) Raphael, still continuing to take the defend action, moves his way up the stairs. Okay. Okay, I am... And uh, Tulak is no longer detecting magic. He is sneaking. Avoiding notice. You climb these these stairs, and it's it's a good climb up, because it's about 100 feet up to the, the trap door. And you get there, and uh, the trap door is very clearly locked. Tulak turns back to Physic, who's behind him, and asks for the key. And Physic gladly hands it over. And then he passes it up to Raphael. Uh, he attempts to lock. And the key does not fit. He takes the key back and produces the other two keys out of his backpack. Uh, yeah, uh, one of those one of those keys, bronze keys on your key ring, does in fact unlock the trapdoor to the gauntlet cupola. Uh, I guess Raphael pushes it open with his shield and it, like covering his most of his face and just pushes it open with his head. Okay. He just slowly raises it up with his head. <laughs> He's coming out of the hole yeah. with the shield over his face. <laughs> and this will be the first time we, we've used this, but there's a little stair icon on the map. If you just click that with your with your token, it'll it'll move you. Oh, sweet. It wasn't working before, so this is great. Yeah, I just unlocked it. And we, we make our way in? You make your way into the, the cupola, and there are rows of black metal bars that encase this circular chamber like a cage. Shimmering waves of force flicker between the bars and give the illusion that softly glowing glass case uh, encases this uh, entire area. Aside from the trapdoor, the room is appears empty, save for a human-sized encasement of glass and iron that flickers and glows with unsettling, almost nauseating pale shimmer, uh, shooting this beam directly towards uh, Otari as well over the trees. And you can feel just the emanation of unbelievably powerful magic. And I'm going to... I can't remember if I said this before or not. I don't think I have. But the lighthouse itself has its own magic item stat block. And it is a level 20 item. It is a unique level 20 item. It is unbelievably powerful. And so very far beyond your, your knowledge um, understanding it at all really is going to be a matter of finding the information. Um, so I just want to throw that out there now because it's it's a thing. This thing is unbelievably powerful. And you can feel the power standing in this cupola. How does it make Raphael feel? Oh, probably terrified because I feel like as a follower of Phrasma, you immediately have some insight into the fact that whatever this is producing, whatever is holding this 
in a sort of static state of non-decay is necromantic. Pure okay, and that's simple what I was looking for. necromancy. Now that you're here, standing in, in the front of this, it's terrifying because it is dark. Tulak works his way <gasps> around the room. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> there is something just a little bit. It, oh, it's so evil. It makes me want to throw up. Oh, I don't know how long I can stay up here, Mr. Sage Tulak and Mr. Fizik. It makes my skin crawl. It it burns with every fiber of my being. The necromancy. It is so evil. Well, we need to stop it then. And he looks around. Is there anything in here? Nothing. Sigils, buttons, latches, secret doors. Let's roll a perception check. No, you don't see anything. Raphael, I gave you 20 levels of the second condition. Just for flavor's sake. <laughs> that adds up. Uh, is there... I guess he's going to try and smash the glass with a shield bash. Like, just... Just give it an attempt. I know he doesn't think it's going to work. And he steps five foot towards the, the central glowing glass. You said it was glass, right? Uh, yeah, it's like glass and, and metal casing. Yeah, so he's going to step up to that and just hit it with the shield as hard as his little shooty arms can. And uh, you give it a old smackaroo. Uh, and that is a 17 to hit. And uh, you hit it, but certainly to no effect. Just reverberates through him like a Looney Tunes character. <laughs> Tulak goes to the one of the bars on the outside and looks towards Otari, holding the bar and leaning out a little bit. Uh, and yeah, you uh, you look towards Otari, and it does look like uh, the beam of light is uh, focused on the western side of the town. So, like the Dawnflower Library area, or like like the graveyard. the graveyard? Yeah, the graveyard. Nice, nice. That's where you want the corpse reanimating light to be shining. Yeah. <laughs> Can he see anything? Awesome. Like, is there disturbances? Is, like, I mean, I know it's far, but. Well, we shouldn't have given up the fucking spyglass. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's so good. Uh, uh, yeah, you don't see anything. You can't really tell what's happening uh, that far away for sure. Raphael uh, makes his way back. You know, not all the way down the steps, but just out of the necromantic light. And he he's, he's not doing great. <laughs> There's nothing in the room. Tulak follows. Physic will give a very worried glance towards Otari and follow as well. Again, he goes down the staircase and moves all the way around the room without going anywhere near the blood. Okay. <laughs> Opening the southern door. Uh, the southern door is appears to be jammed shut. The doors have not uh, been blessed with this lack of decay, and it's, it's very uh, sodden and swollen in its frame. Raphael's, like, catching his breath from hustling down those stairs. <laughs> okay. He, like, slides it's, down. Yeah, it's just his picture of mine on his butt doing a bup, 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 bup the whole way down. <laughs> so what What do we know? Did we learn anything? We know that it is, it is shatterproof glass, and it is sickening. 
Anybody else learn anything while we were up there? It's pointed towards Otari. Maybe the Dawnflower Library. Maybe the graveyard. We need to return. There's nothing else we can find here. Okay. It's going to be difficult to explain to Rin how we... What, what is happening in that we did not manage to get the body of Mr. Ket. But yes, we should We should at least check the Otari graveyard. There may be more, more pressing matters at hand if they're reanimating the dead in Otari. I don't know, but I have a bad feeling about this. You felt the necromancy in the tower. (laughs) (laughs) And again, as they're running along the beach because they didn't open that door, they're not strong enough to break it down, uh, they are staying away from the water. He's skirting up against the keep, staying away from that water. You don't want to get in the, the, the fresh boat that's by the ruined... Boathouse, so you can get in, you can, you can probably go down the water and save yourself five minutes, no? Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Freeman. Nothing ominous about that at all. Hey, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something interesting in the boat. You haven't looked at it. <laughs> Raphael is a fish seeker shuni. He should be able to sail. <laughs> well, what do you get to lose? I mean, <laughs> oh my god. I know, I'm not helping the, the unease of that idea, but... Uh... So you head to the Gaunt Trail boogieing your way down it to get to Otari as fast as possible. Probably saving about five minutes or so, let's say. (laughs) It's not an easy walk. And as soon as you emerge from the forest, you can tell right away that that beam of light very much is pointed at the graveyard. Which I think earns James another hero point for calling it. Hey-oh. So we'll go with that. And as Ooh. soon as you emerge, you see a small group of uh, small group of riders sprinting down the road that leads to the graveyard, known as Phrasma's Walk. And as they reach the fork that meets the Gaunt Trail, the man heading the charge spots you, raises a fist for a halt. As the group slows down, you can tell that the man leading them is an older, mostly white-haired, well-groomed, mustachioed man uh, that the that the, the mutton chops across uh, his uh, face connect uh, across his upper lip, and you know it to be none other than everyone's favorite, Captain of the Otari Guard, Lardis Longsaddle. And for anyone listening... We've not introduced Long Saddle yet, but everyone here is already familiar with this guy. <laughs> uh, and as soon as he stops, he, they basically cut off your uh, your route along the road. And he turns to one of the guards and gruffly speaks. Go on ahead and check out the situation at the library. If that so-called holy warrior isn't down there, then you turn right around and hunt her down. She used to do her part, injured or not. The guard pauses for a moment and gives him a look of confusion. And he just says, Did I stammer, soldier? We're dealing with the walking dead here. We need the kind of help she can offer. Now move it. The guard spurs his horse into action and zooms past you at full speed. You get a brief glimpse of the terrified look on his face that shows he is unsure who to be more afraid of, the undead or his immediate superior. And Longsettle turns to all of you and says, All right. What in the nine hells are you guys doing on the Gaunt Trail? What were you doing in Fogfen, and what the hell did you just cause at that lighthouse? Hello, Mr. Longsettle. It's been a long time. I hope you're well. 
narrows his eyes. <laughs> Captain Longsaddle, we have been investigating the Gauntlet for Rin. This was not something that we've set off, but we've seen very unsettling things there. We don't know what is happening, but we know it's pointed at the graveyard, and it seems you have information too. Uh, information is exactly what I don't have. I was not informed of this adventure into the dangerous ruins to the north there, and I would have very much appreciated to know what you were up to. That Rin seems to be just a troublemaker. Now listen, I don't have time to discuss the details here. Whatever you've done up there, I need you to correct it. I need you to do your part for the town here. He turns over to uh, a, a baby-faced, um, uh, kind of terrified-looking page on a horse next to him. And he says, Gerald, I need you to take these guys back to the graveyard. You know what to do. It's up to you guys to make sure this works out. And Gerald tries to interject, but Longsettle just puts up a hand. says, you know the stakes here. And Longsettle just turns and looks at you with a real mean eye. says, and don't you dare to go dying, because we're going to be having a conversation when this is over. And he spurs his, his own horse and hightails it around the road, trying to loop around the cliff into Otari. Goodbye, Mr. Longsettle. <laughs> Physics just gonna look up at Gerald like you know what to you know what to do. What is it you do? Uh, Gerald's like um, well uh, oh here here's the thing then I guess uh, here just just follow me and he turns his horse around uh, the other the other guards follow Long Saddle of course and he tur- he turns his horse around and just sets to a trot hoping you guys will keep up uh, he's he's in a bit of a hurry but you're only on, on your feet right yeah and Raphael's like three feet tall. So Long Saddle headed back into Otari. Mm-hmm. We're heading towards, if we follow Gerald, mm-hmm. are heading down towards the cemetery. Yeah. And where did the first rider go? He sent him off to, to the Dawnflower Library. He said, go on ahead to check if the holy, the so-called holy warrior is there. And if they aren't, go find them. What, you know, they have to help whether they're injured or not. And is that they went through Otari or down through Phrasma's Walk to get there? We're, we've been confronted on Phrasma. Yeah, yeah, you're like, you've been confronted at where, they, uh, where the, the fork beats. No, I understand, but I'm just wondering, did they go, did the first rider go through Otari to the... Everyone's gone through Otari. Okay, got it. And he turns around and starts to explain the situation. We scrambled as fast as we could. Uh, first thing, uh, first there was sudden reports of the dead walking and attacking folks down at the library. But uh, it took us a hot second to realize uh, they was coming down from the graveyard uh, via the cliff. You quickly arrive at the main gate to the graveyard and find a small, terrified uh, group of guards anxiously watching from the far side of the gate. And peering through said gate, you can see that the soil of Otari's graveyard roils in churns within the airy blue light that's focused on it. Dozens of skeletons and shambling corpses haul themselves free from the ground and rush to the south. Without any hesitation, the walking dead plummet over the cliff's edge to rain down upon the domes of the Dawnflower Library. Most plummeting to their own destruction. However, sounds of battle and screams of terror echo up and over the cliff's edge. Gerald continues addressing you and all of the guards standing there. We don't have much time uh, here, friends and comrades, but the bulk of the undead forces keep leaping over the cliff and overwhelming our troops below. Our mission is to slow their descent and ease the burden of the guards and the townsfolk down there. 
Whatever you need to do to prepare yourselves for the oncoming foray, do so now. Bind your wounds, pray to your gods, and raise your arms. May Gorum... <coughs> May Gorum be with us. I could use an eight-hour rest. <laughs> <laughs> he hands out... Uh, he actually does hand out uh, some healing potions to you guys to, uh, to drink now if you need. Um, you can each take two... Are they, this is the lowest one minor? The ones you have for now? Minor healing potions? Yeah. Each of you can have two. And uh, the guards around have their lanterns up and are uh, doing their best. And like, it, this is still only about 20 to, uh, 20 to noon, essentially. But it's very dark. The clouds overhead have just like really, really uh, formed this big massive ring cloud. And uh, it's starting to rain all over the place, and everything's looking muddy and slippery. And uh, with this blue light, sort of creating uh, an extra level of, of darkness, almost. Um, so they have their lamps out, their lanterns out, uh, out of necessity at this point. Just remind me, did we take eight hours at the uh, the, the workshop after we had got murked by the construct the first time, or did we not? I don't think you guys did. No, we healed up. Yeah, you healed up and went straight back in to sort of just, you know, what was it? Uh, you just opened the door and tried to... Yeah, just took pot shots at it. Pot shots, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, good news. I'm down a cantrip, I don't have my archetype, and I have no heals. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, boy. Why don't you have your archetype? Uh, I want to roleplay it into the game. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it actually requires a significant amount of time to get set up. Okay. And so, uh, as you guys get yourselves ready, Gerald heads towards the gate and says, Are we, uh, are we doing this, fellas? You can see through the gate now that, um, there are still some slower undead that, uh, are still shambling around, um, trying to make their way towards the southern edge. We're ready as wherever going to be, Mr. Gerald. Uh, that's Gerald. <clears throat> Gerald! I think we're saying the same thing. <laughs> uh, beg to differ. All right, men. Get ready! And he cracks the doors, or the gates to the graveyard, and we're all going to roll for initiative right now. Oh, okay. Hurrah! Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> and let's see what you got, Physic. That's an 18 from Physic. All right, Raphael? Raphael has a 22. Ah, uh, pretty all right. Tulak? Seven. Oh, pretty not all right at all. <laughs> I'm just going to have these uh, these guards all act in the same initiative turn, and as soon as Gerald cracks the gate, they start barreling in, and they use all three of their actions to run forward and get closer to the center. And next in the uh, and the order is Raphael. He's going to use all three of his actions to keep pace with the guards. All right. And Gerald will do the same. Sticking right up uh, on your heels, Raphael. Physic. Uh, physic's going to do very similar, but yeah, I guess all three. That's a really big distance we got going there, huh? This is a big map. You know what? Shout out to Narky for this map because there was no map for this included in the adventure at all, so he did this from scratch. Okay, and, like, this map is incredible. Based on the Otari map itself, yeah, it looks—it's so great. Yeah, it's a this wicked is map. really sweet. But anyways, he's gonna not be exactly on that cluster, but stop about you know ten feet 
northwest of them, and that'll be his turn. Cool. And Tulak. Uh, Tulak will do the same thing, just following everyone's lead, triple move. He's standing right up beside Physic behind Gerald. And that's it. And the guards turn top of round two. They start heading forward even more, and they're getting closer and closer, very much uh, on the cusp of the first undead, who is now going to enter the initiative order. And that brings us to Raphael. Raphael, having no knowledge of warfare whatsoever, is going to get a single move, and then he's going to cast his new first-level spell. Uh, he reaches back and touches the dagger on his hip in still in its sheath and casts magic weapon on it. Oh, sick. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Dope. What's that do for you? Uh, essentially, it makes the weapon a plus one striking weapon, giving it a plus one bonus to attack rolls and increasing the number of weapon damage died at two. So it now does Ooh. 2d6 damage. Oh, sick. Okay. Wicked. Uh, all right. And that's your turn. It is. Okay, Gerald is going to uh, do his best to keep pace with his with his retinue. And Physic, you're up. Wow. Holy crap, these guys are so far away. Uh, <laughs> it's going to keep running. Yeah, it'll be two moves just a bit south of one Mr. Raphael. Still well far away from these zombies. Mm-hmm. For his third action, he's going to draw his crossbow. Okay. And that's his turn. And that brings us to the zombie that's now entered the initiative order. Uh, and it's going to move and shamble its way over to whoa, the first guard and try to strike at him with a natural one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, totally it. misses. Totally misses the guard. In fact, uh, it's a it's a zombie shambler specifically, and they're real awkward, shitty zombies. I'm just gonna make it fall prone as it tries to punch him uh, and falls flat on its decaying face. Tulak, what do you got? Tulak, um, way in the back here is just going to continue, and three actions of stride will end up beside Ger- Gerald. I keep wanting to say Geralt. Geralt. Geralt? <laughs> Geralt? Yeah, Geralt, because of the Oh, you're going to call him Gerard. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. fucked up. Anyways, the I'm voice next. Gerald has is exactly what I picture when I play The Witcher. Yeah. <laughs> what? what voice? Siri! Siri, is there a problem? <laughs> I'm right beside him, and that's the end of my turn. All right. For Niflheim! Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I don't know much about Nerd. The Witcher. Nerd! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, and uh, now we're already in round three. That was quick. All right, top of the round three already, and the guards get to go. And this one is going to, uh, of course, use a, uh, a club that, it's, that he's got to uh, hit the shambler while it's down for a sweet uh, 23 to hit, which is a crit. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the, why, are, uh, why are we here? <laughs> well, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, and the zombie jambler takes 16 points of damage, and he's going to swing a second time for another 23 to hit. <laughs> Let's go, NPCs. And he completely destroys the zombie shambler. <laughs> well, you wow. guys seem to have things under control here. And then he starts to veer off to the west, 
with his last action towards another uh, skeleton that is actually going to now enter the initiative order. And the other, one of the guards uh, starts to join him and the other two uh, veer towards the east and entering another, yet another skeleton guard into the initiative order. One of the guards to the west uh, is able to uh, continue moving and try and strike. With a 24? Wow, I'm rolling hot. <laughs> uh, it's not new. <laughs> uh, 24 against uh, 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 not a crit on this one, sadly, but still deals 10 damage and completely destroys it. And the ones on the eastern side uh, are going to do a similar thing. One of them can roll up and... Oh, man, another 24. Yeah, keep it going, buddy. Oh, man, Eddie just wrecks another skeleton. And the other one, the guard with him steps forward. And holy jeez. So that's three down so far. Yeah, yeah I don't want to get cocky, Raphael, but there's so up. much buildup to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raphael, seeing the guards pretty much have it in turn. Uh, first action is going to draw that magic dagger. Uh, second action is going to stride. And um, third action, he'll just stride again. Yeah, there we go. So he's got his weapon out. He's sort of in combat. Like, he's he's having a tough time with this because they were told specifically to hold the line. And uh, that's not what these guards are doing. <laughs> um, they're just... Uh, they're frightened, too, though. They're terrified. They're, they're like, kind of just jumping into the fray all, all of a sudden and just swinging like wild men, screaming. and like, ah! Like, they, this is the first time they've ever seen anything like this, that's for sure. They're just small-town yeah. guards. And so they're, they're stuck in the heat of battle here. But with all of this destruction happening, the rest of the undead enter the initiative order immediately as their attention is drawn towards all of you. And that brings us to one of the skeleton guards' turns here. And it is going to start striding towards one of the guards. And it spends all its movement doing so. Gerald now has the opportunity to try and catch up. He's going to march his way over towards uh, the uh, skeleton guard that just approached his guard friend, but spends all his movement doing... Oh, no, he, he can do this and then swing, actually. Yeah, he's going to swing with his own club. Oh, kills it. <laughs> 29 to hit. Jesus. <laughs> Man. And uh, and that brings us to Physic. Well, Physic... First action, puts his hands in his pockets. Second action, <laughs> just starts whistling. Third action, <laughs> <walks away. laughs> Somehow uh, manages to uh, bard inspire courage to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Physic is, well, he's so far at the back of the pack that he probably doesn't even see all these things dropping like flies. So he's going to take two stride actions to get 50 feet forward. And everything's dead within range of him. So he's going to take another stride action to go another 25 feet forward to actually get close to something. And that'll be his turn. Okay. And that brings us to another skeleton guard who is going to move up to Gerald and swing with its scimitar uh, and misses with an 18. And he's going to try and swing again. Natural one. Totally misses. And now we've got a zombie shambler in the back. I was going to say earlier, too, I kind of feel like with... I feel like being a generous DM here. And I just want to say that uh, with 
since Raphael is is a, a cleric of Phrasma, I feel like he already just kind of knows what these things are. They are like as basic as undead as they get. So, I mean, you have zombie shamblers, you have skeleton guards. Like the zombie shamblers have much, are a bit beefier for sure, like uh, as far as hit, uh, hit points goes. Uh, and the skeleton guards are very low hit points, but the shamblers uh, are permanently slowed, so they only get two actions. Right. But that's like. That's the, that's basically the gist of what you what you know, other than basic undead stuff, um, which we can cover if we need to. But the shambler uh, runs up towards one of the guards, but that's all it can do. Tulak, you're up. So with his first action, Tulak will stride twenty five feet to the south, and then pointing up to the tree above the skeleton guard to the south of him. He brings a branch down onto the head of the skeleton guard. Okay, all right. Telekinetic projectile vibe. Oh, man. Again, all syllables intact. Very good. I've been working on it. (laughs) I've been practicing in the mirror. (laughs) Uh, 13 to hit. 13 against the skeleton guard is a miss, I'm afraid. That's okay. That's his turn. Okay, and we have another zombie shambler in the back. It's going to... Just make its way to- uh, towards uh, the group, but it's going to stick along the road here. So it's it's still a good distance away, but it's now at like this sort of main fork in the in the roads and, and trails that lead to the graveyard. And top of round four, guards about to kick some ace, <laughs> no doubt. Oh, 25 to hit. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, skeleton guard dead. And continues to move towards the zombie shambler. Further south, another guard is going to do the same, but can't quite make it uh, before spending all his actions. Uh, Guard to the west, attacking the other zombie shambler. 28 to hit. Oh, my God. Why? How? Hits it, but then misses it. But his friend comes up and swings as well and manages to kill it. Continues running towards center. You guys have, these guards have destroyed the vast majority of these so far. This is wild. Yeah, and we, first combat the PCs won't ever have any effect on. <laughs> it's like a spearhead formation and they've just been destroying everything. And uh, Raphael, you're up. So Raphael, seeing these guards have it in hand, uh, remembering the sound of clashing at the undead corpses on the Dawnflower Library, will just yell up to Tulak, I believe in you, before taking all three actions to run towards the cliff. Just whizzing by everyone. Okay. (laughs) And his little pug legs. I love it. (laughs) And Gerald's like, that's it, boys. Keep it up. We got this. Oh, all our comrades below, oh, they're going to be okay because of us, because we're doing the right thing. And he's just doing his best to inspire. But he's if we have any listeners at common. this point, they're all gone because of this voice. <laughs> what? What's wrong with my <clears throat> What's wrong with my voice? It's a perfect squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons, but yeah. like Southern. <laughs> Poor Gerald. Can't get a break. Uh, and um, Ger- so Gerald runs down to the center and does his own uh, does his best to attack this zombie shambler that's left hits it for an exact crit with 22 oh beast damage 22 points of damage he just destroys it in one blow and all of the lingering undead that were uh, going to head for the cliff 
have been defeated. And Gerald just like takes a deep breath. Oh, and all the guards are like, oh, and they're just looking around and like moving about and trying to spot any more, uh, trying to find any evidence of the soil turning and roiling again. And there is nothing, but you can hear, you can hear just the the uh, more battle coming up from the cliff. There's more and more noise happening. Here's the artwork that was supplied for uh, this event of the undead jumping over the cliff towards the the Dawnflower Library. Oh, that's pretty gnarly. That's so yeah. sick. I feel like there are scale issues with that. I artwork, have big, big issues awesome. with the scale of this, but it's it like looks the rad. same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it looks really weird. <laughs> But yeah, then they're just launching themselves off in this sort of like undead suicidal attempt to just attack. It's like World War Z down there. Such a yeah, grim <laughs> sequel to Midsummer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And as everything seems to like cool off for a sec, and you have a spare moment, suddenly the light over this area dissipates, and it seems to clear out in the. The fog starts to lift a little bit. There's still a light rain happening. And just as Gerald turns to look at you with a big smile around him and the two guards in the center and just barely catching Raphael, a roiling light, more focused, hits the ground from coming from the lighthouse. And this intense aura of necromantic energy spawns a creature. That looks like this. Okay. Nothing about that feels necromantic. (laughs) It's like a spider with spikes, but also like lizard skin. It's putting the romantic in necromantic. (laughs) (laughs) And the light vanishes upon its arrival. And the guards freak out and start peeling. They're terrified. They start to run away. And Gerald just gives this look of utter shock and looks to Raphael and looks to the others, unsure of what to do with himself. And he looks like he's on the cusp of running away. And Tulak sees the panic in his eyes and yells over the rain and every all the other noises, Gerald! Hold fast and attack! Attack! Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at unchartednorth.ca, patreon.com slash unchartednorth, and on all major social media platforms. Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.